tonight on Arena. We are on the run with a pair of cannibals in Bones and All, and Daniel Craig is back in the follow-up to Knives Out. You can text us on 51551 or tweet at RTE Arena. Well, it's a big week for film releases. For your consideration this evening, a pair of fine young cannibals, some revolting children and even more revolting adults in a modern-day locked-room mystery. And the true story behind the journalist whose work revealed the crimes of one of Hollywood's most powerful men. In Bones and All, starring Timothée Chalamet and Taylor Russell, director Luca Guardinino adapts a tale of flesh-eating teens coming to terms with their irrepressible desires. Ryan John Johnson scored a hit with Knives Out in 2019. He's back with Glass Onion, again starring Daniel Craig as the mystery-solving-in-chief um, Benoit Blanc, with an intriguing supporting cast of motive fuel characters. And it's one of Roald Dahl's most beloved books. And now Matilda the Musical is transplanted from stage to screen with Irish newcomer Alicia Weir in the title role. Paul Whittington and Ruth Barden have been to the cinema for us and they join me now in studio. And first this evening, we'll turn our attention to director Maria Sh- uh, Schrader's. She said the feature film adaptation of Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey's book of the same name about the New York Times investigation into Harvey Weinstein. Earlier this year, he was convicted in New York court of rape and sexual assault and is on trial in L.A. now on multiple similar charges. Ruth, can you tell us about the background to this film? It's squarely about the New York Times investigation into Harvey Weinstein. Yes, it's really a procedural film. So we all, you know, as you've just said, we know what's going to happen. So there's no tension as to as to how how the investigation is going to end out, end up because they're going to get their man. So it's it's really, um, it's I, I've, it was fascinating to me about starting at the beginning with nobody prepared to say anything about Weinstein. In fact, the film starts almost misleadingly with revelations of another sex, sex offender, which are then thrown out, which is, of course, the revelations, or not revelations, we better be careful to say, about Trump. So it starts with Trump, and then it seeks into Weinstein. And, and from there, you've got, a tweet, one tiny tweet that leads the journalist to think, oh, could this be about Weinstein? And then they have to start digging and digging and digging and nobody is, is able to say anything to them because they've all signed NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. And and so there are all these women out there and they kind of know they're out there, but they can't get them to step forward. And that's really what it's about. And also what I really enjoyed about this film, it's about two female journalists and it's also about their home lives and about how they're trying to find a balance between their home lives, both of them with small children, and their professional lives. So the two women in question, Paul, are Megan Toohey, played by Kerry Mulligan, and Jodie Cantor, uh, who's played by Zoe Kassan. So how do they get to work together? Because at the beginning they're working on different projects and have different home pressures. They are, and it's really... um um, uh, Cantor uh, Zoe Kazan's character Jodie Cantor who, who who does the running of this because she notices Rose McGowan's tweet and wreck and it's pretty obvious who she's referring to but she she, she contacts Rose McGowan and obviously she, she, she doesn't want to talk to her um, Carrie, Carrie, Carrie Mulligan's character um, Megan Toohey has been working on that she's having a just had a baby she has a baby early in the film she's also working on on the Trump story and these very credible reports of of, um, of sexual um, uh, abuse or whatever and you hear Trump roaring down the phone uh, threatening all and sundry which is how these men have operated up to this point and assume that that bullying will work again um, and she's initially reluctant to, 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 to work on the Weinstein case because she thinks, you know, is there any point? But she, she's drawn into it and uh, they realise that they might be able to get somewhere. Uh, what's quite surprising is the very supportive background that they work in, in in the New York Times. The amount of time they're given, they're not given four other stories to work on at the mm. same time. And there isn't the quite, there doesn't seem to be a macho culture in the New York Times. You know, I, th- I, th- I thought that was really interesting. And um, one of the things is, is that they're, they're, they're reporting immediately um, to this woman, Rebecca Corbett, played by Patricia Clarkson, who's, and she's the sort of grand dame of the New York Times and she's incredibly elegant, but she's very strong. She can stand up to people. But you know, when I was watching this, 
I think it's also making a case for, for traditional journalism and for the importance of, so, of yeah. newspapers mm. because, you know, we, we live in a world of tweets and, and immediate news. But if you don't have proper newspapers and proper journalists who are given the time to unearth these stories, then we're just going to live in, in an instant news cycle. Yeah, and the film show, you're absolutely right, and the film shows you how much uh, harder it is to actually prove something, you know, six ways from Sunday before you can print it rather than just, you know, making something up and tweeting it. And this film, obviously, I mean, like Spot, Light, like All the President's Men, to which it'll be compared. It's about procedural journalism and the, the, the difficulties and the exacting nature of that. And in Spotlight, you had a special investigative team who spent months and months and months on, on a clerical sex abuse scandal. And here, these women, but the the uh, the tone of this film is different because it's about women. The 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 people they're trying to get to are are, are women who, who have been abused and they, these two are women, so the tone is different. There's no table pumping. Uh, they take time. They can imagine what the women have gone through, so they're prepared to wait and wait and wait until one of them goes on the record. Okay, well, let's hear a clip from um, She Said. Here, uh, the journalists in the New York Times are discussing what way to take their story. We hear Zoe Kazan as Jodie Cantor and Patricia Clarkson as the woman you were talking about, Rebecca Corbett. Are we talking solely corporate misuse of power? No, we're talking all workplaces where sexual harassment might happen. Also, let's look for the enablers. Fox kept O'Reilly on for quite some time after our story broke. And for decades before that. The network only ousted him when the advertisers jumped ship. Let's interrogate the whole system. Why is sexual harassment so pervasive and so hard to address? Yes, it does get around to that, doesn't it, in the end? I mean, you're looking at Hollywood, but you're always questioning. You're questioning broadcasting. You're questioning academia. You workplace. I mean, we walked out, Kay, out of this saying, we, 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 taking this and saying, well, what about our own workplaces? And, and I think that's one of the real strengths of the film. And it's encapsulated in that little sequence that you've just played, which is that it's not focused about getting the bad guy and punishing him. And, and they're, they're very good about barely showing Weinstein in the whole film. We just see an actor with his back to us. We hear him shouting down we the do, phone. We do, yeah. But, but, but it's not really about him so and much. What did she think of that? I mean, what did you think of the fact that it's all about reporters reporting the, the stories that they're hearing from victims? Uh, but, yeah. And there's no, it's all tell, no show. Yeah, I, 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 I think it worked. I mean, similarly, in All the President's Men, you, you, um, um, as Ruth said at the start, you knew what happened to, to, to Nixon. So, but, but in that film, they created tension. And here they create tension too of a different sort. And I thought it was very interesting. I, I would have hated to to see Weinstein dramatised and given airtime. Instead, we are told, and no incidents are ever shown, they are related to, by, by, by women, including Samantha Morthen in the, in the film's probably most powerful scene. Oh, she's scene. fantastic. And, yeah. and, and that way of doing it, 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 it almost has more impact. Now, let's talk about the two key women who come forward. So Samantha Morton plays Zelda Perkins. What's her role, Ruth? Well, she's she's one of the women who's who's been abused, and and what you've got is this, you know, as, as I say, these people who, many of them have too much to lose, to to come forward, but she doesn't. She's decided that she she can come forward, and 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 what they're waiting for is one person to start talking to them, because once one person starts talking to them, then these stories will and emerge. That's exactly what happens, and that's it? what yeah. happens with yeah. this. So she's yeah. the one that comes forward, and. And and what's very nice too is that she's narrativizing her own story. So she's she's got her way of expressing what's happened to her through a narrative, which gives it form and makes it relatable. Mm. Yes, and she does give quite a class oh, she's act in one scene. She's so, fantastic. Yeah. So let's hear uh, Samantha Morton playing Zelda Perkins, whose career at Miramax went sour when she complained about the abuse of a colleague suffered at Weinstein's hands. These are the original letters. I had to have their permission if I wanted to contact a therapist or speak to an accountant. I was never to speak to any other media now or hereafter existing about it. Jodie, this is bigger than Weinstein. This is about the system protecting abusers. I want you to take these and I want you to use them. There we go, Samantha Morton there as Zelda Perkins. And uh, before we move on, the other key character is Laura Madden and she's playing by 
Jennifer Ely in yes. this. Yeah. And her experience began in Ireland. Yes, it did. And in fact, the film opens in Ireland, which is quite disconcerting, actually, although it doesn't look like Ireland. But, uh, but, no, uh, yeah, and, it doesn't, and, it, and it doesn't look like Into the West, which apparently is the film. Yes, that, with, which, which was the film. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. the French, yeah. which <laughs> doesn't yeah. correspond to the year. No, yeah. she, yeah. Play, she, she, she played, um, she, she was basically a runner on this film. She was a young woman and she had one of these really insidious experiences with him, which, you know, and it's a, a, a repeated pattern in which she sort of doubts her own senses. Is this really happening? Is it my fault? And all the insidiousness of that is brought out in her story. Uh, stars out of five for She Said from you, Paul. Uh, five for me. I, I thought it was really, really powerful, I have to say. And from you, Ruth. I gave it four and a half, but I could have given it five. I thought it was fantastic and really inspirational. OK, high marks indeed for She Said. Next up is Glass Onion, Ryan Johnson's follow-up to the phenomenally successful Knives Out, the film that single-handedly revived the locked room mystery genre. Daniel Craig is back as the loquacious detective Benoit Blanc and the ensemble around him boasts names like Edward Norton, Catherine Hahn, Kate Hudson and Janelle Monet. So Paul Knives Out was a surprise success, a yes. kind of um, Agatha Christie-esque yeah. Yeah. locked room as the, he brings everybody together to see who done it. Mm. Uh, this is very different. Money, money is very obviously thrown at this uh, follow up. Yeah, I, I think also Ryan Johnson is a very clever person. He, I think he's agreed, which is good news to me, there's going to be another one, he's, I think at least, because he's hit on this lovely formula that 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 uses the the Agatha Christie format essentially in this kind of snarky kind of um, postmodern sort of way. The first one was a surprise, though. As you'd say it came out under the radar. I, I was amazed by it. I hadn't really heard that much about it, except that Daniel Craig was doing it, and it was very very funny. It was very sort of charming, and it was kind of the, the kind of sort of mainstream adult entertainment that you, that hardly gets made anymore because genre pictures are so. Uh, um, popular now and this film uh, yeah the tone is different and um, Benoit Blanc who still refers to himself in the third person and somehow gets away with it is is sort of going bananas in a lockdown because he's so bored when he gets an invitation to this um, tech this guy Braun this 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 tech uh, um, billionaire's private island uh, for this sort of uh, mystery themed uh, party and he goes and then finds out he hasn't been invited after all, but something is afoot. OK, let's hear Edward Norton, who plays the obnoxious tech billionaire Miles Braun, setting out the rules of engagement for this murder mystery weekend to his assembled friends and Benoit Blanc too, played by Daniel Craig, even though he wasn't invited. Alongside and underneath the parquet, you've been charged with a serious task. Because tonight, in this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. You will have to closely observe the crime. Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island, I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. Any questions? Uh, wait, wait, what do we win? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? No, no, nothing. I just, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. <laughs> Daniel Craig looking for a payout there in Glass Onion along with Edward Norton. So how much of the the, the plot can you give away, Ruth? Very little. Careful, we, very yeah. little. I mean, I think we can give away that um, Edward Norton sets up the murder mystery as we've just heard. Benoit cracks it in a flash. Um, Bron is sulking because he's supposed to be the guy who runs the show and suddenly the show the, the rug has been whipped out from under his feet. But of course, immediately afterwards, a real murder takes place and then you have the real investigation. And needless to say, everybody has a motive. Everybody's implicated. Anybody could have done it. But of course, our f- fabulous detective is one step ahead of the uh, ensemble mm-hmm. cast. Now, the ensemble cast is these disruptors yes. who are the friends of, yeah. of Edward Norton's yeah. character, Miles Braun. Can you give us a little 
picture portrait of each one or, yeah, well, or well, the ones that matter? Well, they all relate to him that they were all friends with him when he said when he had this big idea. Now, now you can substitute your your least favourite um, tech mogul for him because he's supposed to be. Uh, well, I, well, I won't say who he's supposed to be. But anyway, no, sometimes he um, does wear a polo neck, but not yeah, always. yeah, that's entirely coincidental. Yeah, but um, so um, you've got Dave Bautista plays this sort of alt right kind of science averse YouTuber who's sort of he, he's not dense. He's just kind of obnoxious and he's a friend of his Catherine Han, who's great and she's this sort of up and coming politician who also knew him. Uh, Janelle Monáe's character is is a sort of embittered ex-partner and Kate Hudson who channels her mother Goldie Hawn in this too in a wonderful way. She's very funny. She plays this kind of fashion designer who's kind of always about five seconds behind the conversation and they have all come, they're all friends of his, they all resent him in different ways. So when anything does happen there are going to be a long list of suspects. So I think Paul was suggesting that he wasn't as mad about it as Knives Out because it's oh, no, bigger. I am. No, I'm no. the one. That oh, you I'm, are. No, I'm I the am. Grinch. Oh, you're liking I'm it. I'm massively positive this evening, Kay. No, no, I, no. I, oh, I, like I, I, yeah, I miss, yeah. I misconstrued yeah. what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm having a cranky moment about this one. <laughs> okay, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm the one who's, who's going to give out just a small bit because what I did was I ranked them, and, and we've also got add, to add in see how they run, which we reviewed mm. earlier. Uh, oh, came yeah. out earlier this year. Yeah. which is another act with Saoirse Ronan and, 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 yeah. and Sam Rockwell yeah. so, I, so I ranked them and I put see how they run as my number one Knives Out comes a very close second and then so Glass Onion didn't quite hit the same high notes for me yeah. controversial but th- mm. this is my opinion and um, I think that I suppose what kind of irked me about it was it's so ostentatiously throwing Netflix's money at the screen. They paid $469 million for this franchise and they really want you to see the money. And so even after Benoit has solved the mystery, you have this sequence where somebody goes around smashing up the set and that's just to show how much money they can spend, in my opinion. So I didn't <laughs> I didn't quite buy into it as much as I did the sort of cheaper versions. And would you agree with Ruth's ranking? No, obviously. No, I wouldn't. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, I did love Knives Out, the, the first one, and I love this too. And I, I, it's sort of too, it, it's, it's uh, I think it wasn't it, oh, um, Evelyn Waugh who said that um, criticising P.G. Woodhouse was like taking a, a spade to a souffle. And I feel that way about the film because it's like a piece of chamber music all, almost. And they, 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 they rehearsed it up for weeks on end. And there's something rather beautiful about that. You've got Daniel Craig doing his, I think he described it as his um, southern fried foghorn leghorn uh, accent. And uh, it's just delightful for me. I, I love the fact that that, that um, uh, Ryan Johnson is making films like this because there are so few uh, that, that are aimed at adults. Um, and we you, find out things from, about um, Benoit Blanc's private life that we never thought we, we do, would, we, which we won't share. No, we can't, but there is a very funny moment and there are lots of funny cameos in this, in this film. There's also some really, really good comic acting and comic timing, I think. Uh, Paul stars out of five. It's got to be another five for me very unusual God, for me to he get, had yeah, a great yeah, week yeah. I, think Ruthie, I think I've had an aneurysm or something um, five out of five for glass onion from yeah, Paul cranky three three and a half for me three and a half very good now hmm. <sighs> Get your napkins out. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> Luca Guardinino is a director known, though not exclusively, for giving his audiences beautiful, lovelorn people in exquisite sun-drenched places. His so-called desire trilogy saw Tilda Swinton in I Am Love, set in Milan's high society. Tilda again, though with Ray Fiennes, this time in a bigger splash, set in an Italian island. And then Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name, set in a 17th century villa in North Northern Italy. But that was then and now Gordonino is back with Chalamet to bring us Bones and All, a cannibal romance based on Camille de Angelis's young adult novels of the same name. The action centres around Marin and Lee, two young people coming to terms with their desire for each other and their predilection for consuming human flesh. So, um, Ruth, uh, Luca Gordonino made his TV series We Are Who We Are on US TV Army Base in Italy. This is his first feature set in America and it is a grim 1980s America that he shows us. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really liked about this film is it is a foreigner's eye on America. And I was sort of thinking back to something like maybe Paris, Texas, you know, when Vin Vendors came to America and made a, made a road movie that made America strange. And, and so on the one hand, you have a very evidently rather alienating story. I mean, as we all know, eating people is wrong. Um, but at the same time, you have this 
beautiful uh, depiction of the landscape. I mean, the other film that I was thinking of was Badlands, which Terence yeah, Malick made early on, and so, I think yeah. a very sort of Terence mm. Malicky yeah. look to it. So you have this incredibly beautiful film with these beautiful people at the heart of it. I mean, Timothy Chalamet is always the beautiful boy. And I actually thought Taylor Russell was fantastic as, as the young woman in it. So you've got these beautiful people, this incredible landscape, and everything is at the same time desolate and, and abandoned. And, and, and people are, are leading very kind of meagre, scraping through kind of lives. But somehow, it's not that he's aestheticising it, but, but he's bringing the beauty out of these people and their lives. So how, uh, Paul, uh, does Marin, how do we find out that she has cannibal tendencies? In a very shocking way, in a brilliant scene, it's typical uh, Guadagnino. He, uh, she, she has gone, she seems like, you know, an ordinary kid. She's gone, she's about to turn 18. She's gone for a sleepover at a friend's house and she's kind of playing with her friend's hand and then she she bites her finger off. And that's when we realise the problem. And it's shocking, yeah. It is very mm-hmm. shocking. And and then she, um, shortly afterwards, her father, who has, they've moved from state to state to hide the fact that she's cannibal. He on her 18th birthday, he, he goes, and you feel that's the interesting thing about this film. There's all this awful kind of stuff and this, these compulsions that they have, but you end up sympathising with them, which is really, really clever. She's left on her own. She goes off to find her mother, whom she eventually does find, which is shocking in itself. Um, and she meets two other eaters, as they call themselves, uh, along the way. One is Sully, played by Mark Rylance, who is an older and very surly and sinister, incredible performance for him. And then she meets Timothy Chalamet's character, who and, and it's an almost there's almost a Romeo and Juliet aspect to, you know, star-crossed love and all that to, to, to that part of it. Uh, so let's have a listen to Mark Rylance as Sully. Here he's trying to teach Marin about being a cannibal. I thought I was the only one. Are there lots of us? Not lots, but more... More than you'd think. You've met a few, sure, that you know of. You never had anyone take an interest in you? A double, double, a double take? <laughs> just always thought. You just thought some people are creepy. It's better if we all steer clear of one another. We're dangerous to non-eaters, but... We can hurt one another just as bad. I hope you're hearing me on this. So Mark Rylance, as you might explain the sound effects there. He is preparing a chicken. They're not eating a human carcass or anything. No, they're, they're not at this particular moment. But the That's thing... In the old woman's house, isn't yeah, it? it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. And she's yeah. dying upstairs. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing about them is, one of the things about them is they're very messy eaters. So... Wh- they're kind of leading up to, to with these sound effects, and then they're kind of she's a bit disappointed. Only hens, uh, but then they're going to, you know, they're going to. It's not giving anything away to say they're going to tuck into the old woman, and they are the extraordinary sloppy, messy eaters. Mm. Very and animalistic it when, is, they, when it gets to the and eating you get, bits. You get, and then and they they come away like animals because they've got blood dripping down their fronts, and and for some reason, um, Mark Rylance's character Sully spends a lot of his time wearing rather kind of grey. Um, formerly white underpants, and so he—he's sort of so creepy. And I, you know, Mark Rylance is such an incredible actor. He's got such an incredible presence, and he just brings this shady, leery, slightly older man. What are his motives in in, in befriending her uh, to to the role? That adds, an, you know, another element and of the just implication as well. Ruth is that 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 could be the life cycle of an eater. Like that could be where she's going. That you end up this kind of you know. Yes. Saddled, saddled yeah, eater, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when Marin meets Lee, Paul, mm. is that a hopeful um, coming together? Or or does it evolve maybe into that? Or how much can you tell us about well, that relationship? But, uh, uh, oddly it is, because he has become, even though he's young, he has become cynical, partly because of his upbringing, which you find about in a violent parent and so on. And also because he's realised the implications of his needs, which will inevitably involve murder. And that depresses him, but still he's prepared to do it. But she is somehow pure, even though she's what she is. And he can see that. And it kind of draws him towards the light in this very poetic way. The cinematography in this film is absolutely beautiful, uh, by the way. And as they go from state to state, it's a road movie as well. Um, and, and the states are represented in these little short, shortened words. You realise that it doesn't matter where they go. 
because their face is following them. Uh, let's uh, hear another clip here. Marin and Lee have recognised each other as eaters. They talk outside a store where Lee has gallantly helped a young mother. You could tell in the store. I smelt you too. I didn't know I could do that. I'm uh, going to Minnesota. I got dumped here by a ride. I just stole dinner. It was all I could think to do. You're not local either, I guess. Why does that matter? That was nice what you did for that mom in there. I'm 18 if you're wondering. I was going to guess younger. Thanks. I don't usually talk to anyone after. I don't actually meet many others. I'm sort of glad not to. Yeah, I get it. I'm just saying, I'm not an asshole. should probably go anyway. Up close, you can see blood. We're fine. No. I really don't think I am. Marin and Lee meeting up there in Bones and All, Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet. Is the cannibalism a metaphor for something else? Well, in, there's, there's one sequence where they meet two hillbillies and that's what gives the film its title because the, the hillbillies uh, are eaters. And one of them says to them, you, know, you, you haven't really got it until you eat them, Bones and All. And that's the, that gives us the title. And they talk about it, they talk about it but being a cannibal as if it was a drug addiction. So you could kind of think about, are you being mm. nudged towards that? But in the end, I thought, you know, this isn't a political film. This isn't a film that wants us to consider the state of America. This is a film that wants us to feel. And, and I mean, I actually felt queasy um, throughout it. And I think that that's really what it's about, is, is bringing out our own emotional response to the film. It wants to test your 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 powers of empathy, basically. That's yeah. the thing. And he's always doing that, isn't he? And desire and all those themes are always in there. You know, it's 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 a remarkable film. It's funny we were talking outside, and it's funny to say that you really admire a film and never want to see it again. But uh, I I don't really because of what happens later on. But it's it's if if you don't mind, you know, if you have strong stomach, it's a very interesting film. Uh, stars out of five for you, Paul. Uh, four for me. And from you. Yeah, four as well. So four out of five for Bones and All. And our final film this evening is the adaptation of Matilda, the musical, which brings the much-loved stage show of Roald Dahl's musical, um, now uh, once a classic book, or still a classic book, to the big screen. It stars Dubliner Alicia Weir as Matilda, the super smart girl who has the brains and bravery to take on appalling parents and tyrannical headmistress, Miss Trunchbull, played here with a plum by Emma Thompson. The stage show has been a monster hit with music and lyrics by Tim Minchin. But how will it fare on film? Mm. What did you think, Paul? Well, I'm, I'm like, I'm not the ideal audience for this because the very words musical theatre fill me with a nameless dread. You know, I, I don't like um, uh, shows and things like that. But I liked this a lot. Um, and obviously, it, 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 the fact that the people who were involved in the original stage show, which I believe is very good, is important. But it just, it catches... Uh, that that the, the sort of the, the, the nastiness that that's inherent in what Roald Dahl does and what makes it funny and and why children are so attracted to him. So and I I have to say I, I, I think Ruth didn't particularly like the songs. I can't remember any of them, but I, I thought the whole thing had a kind of you remember Oliver the sort of nineties. I, I I thought it had that kind of. Um, mood to it and there are some lovely comic performances in it as well I thought it was very good Yeah tell something of the comic performances because a lot of the adult actors have well, great fun Yes they do I mean Stephen Graham and Andrea Riceborough play Matilda's uh, parents and they are brilliant they're hilarious Andrea Riceborough does this thing that that turns her into a kind of bawdy cartoon with her body and the pair of them are very funny and he is an awful dad and he, he, he's such an awful dad that he calls her him all the time the little girl even though she's a girl and she is clever enough to get their own her own back on them in fact she's a genius which everybody discovers when she goes to this terrible school okay well we'll have a quick listen to matilda and her horrible parents played by stephen graham and andrea riseborough do you want to hear about my first day at school yeah i'd rather eat vegetables it's official i'm a genius my losing streak is over this fella comes into the lock huge he was great big pair of a man and this bear of a man wants a luxury car. Oh, lovely. That's a bear's drive. No, it's not a real bear. 
Do you have a luxury car? I've got two, boy. I'm a girl. One would have smashed in front and one would have smashed in back. All I've got to do is cut them in half, glue them together and bobs your chipmunk. Daddy's back. But isn't that illegal? And sort of, well, wrong? What did he say? Well, <laughs> Alicia Weir there up against her parents played by Stephen Graham and Andrea Riseborough. That's a, a big ass for Alicia Weir up against these fabulous actors with all the funny lines, even though she's sassy and, well, witty and clever. Yes, and I mean, you, you've heard her there. You'd never think she wasn't English. Uh, she's, she's, she's mastered the accent in an incredible way. And she really puts in it. A, a really uh, amazing performance because she does hold it together. And it isn't the most uh, rewarding role, really, because so much fun um, goes to uh, Riseborough and Stephen Graham. And Stephen Graham, who normally plays tortured characters, I mean, Stephen Graham was... Usually he, from Liverpool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And he was in Time, Line yeah. of Duty, and yeah. he's, he plays miserable people. And suddenly he's, you know, he's, he's playing this really fun character. So she's there against all the amazing actors um, who really are... Uh, almost distracting you from her plight. Um, and and she she does do a good job. I mean, I, I, I was sort of interested. Was, I thought she was really good. I thought she was really, really mm. talented. Yeah. I mean, I was interested in, in one scene where she, where she sings a number where she says, it's all coming in on top of me and I can't cope. And I thought, oh, is she autistic? Because there's that sort of slight, you know, autistic genius about her character. And I'd have loved the film to have just gone a little blacker on that and explored that a little bit more. What does it mean for a child to carry all this? Another adult having great fun yes. is Emma Thompson as uh, Miss Trunchbull. Agatha Trunchbull, yeah. Yes. A, a, a former champion hammer thrower and just she, she's just a Nazi basically and she runs this gun. There's all these loudspeakers um, where she's constantly barking at people and it says you know, there are banners saying um, none of you are special and things like that. It's great. It's a real Roald Dahl school, you know, where, where everybody who enters is damned. And she is this maniac. Uh, but there is this ray of light because uh, the, 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 the Miss Honey, the, the, the teacher, who's, who's played by uh, Lashana Lynch, who sh- shows great range. The very Transformed sweet, from her person. James Bond. Yeah, role, exactly. Yeah. And she, she forms a bond with Matilda and realises that she's special and different as well, as Ruth says. And uh, th- that part of it's very sweet. So stars out of Five from Matilda from you, Paul. I'm going to give it four. I liked it a lot. My toes like definitely... everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm you? dropping. I'm dropping down to three and a half because I found the numbers very forgettable. Uh, very good. So four out of five and three and a half out of five from Paul and Ruth. Uh, and my thanks to Ruth Barton and Paul Whittington for Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery is in Irish cinemas now until the middle of next week. And then it will be on Netflix from December the 23rd with all that money on show. Bones and all, she said, and Matilda go on general release this weekend. Just coming up to 23 minutes to eight. Maria Doyle Kennedy is one of Ireland's most prolific actors and musicians. As an actor, she has an accomplished career in film and television, from The Commitments through to Downton Abbey, and lately as Birdie Goggins in Ken, and now as Tanny Maria in Recipes for Love and Murder. She's, of course, first a singer, and she spent most of, much of her life on the road touring with her husband, Kieran. Their latest album, Fire on the Roof of Eden, was released in May 2021 and was nominated for Album of the Year by the Irish Times. Maria is back on the road with a trio of concerts starting in Galway's Mick Lally Theatre on December 2nd, then on to the Whale Theatre in Greystones on December 3rd and finishing at Cocklands in Cork on December 4th. This is her track, Le Mour C'est Nous, from the latest album, Fire on the Roof of Eden. L'Amour C'est Nous from Maria Doyle Kennedy's most recent album, Fire on the Roof of Eden. And I'm delighted to be joined by Maria now. Um, Maria, have you also always been interested in singing in French or was that your first time? No, that was a total, total um, 
accident, I suppose, a, a lovely a kind of a present, really. I mean, I suppose sometimes you would be trying to direct things and then sometimes you just react to things. And uh, these um, lovely people in France wrote to us and said, we'd really like to have one of your songs and we would like to use it um, for a festival of choirs. Uh, that we have and, and you know, be everything in French. And uh, I said, no, but I have just the song that we might be able to um, translate. And so we, yeah, so we, we, we worked on the Moshenu and, and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I do love language, I have to say. I mean, I'm really, you know, I I, I went to school in a Gael school and I, I, I got a love of language from that, from Gaelga and just generally then the, that little part of my brain is a little bit more open, I think, of having done two languages when I was young. And so I'm always, well, I'm always looking to learn. But. Yeah, you definitely do more. It's it's beautiful. Uh, Thank you. Um, since you were last on Arena, talking to, to Sean about Fire on the Roof of Eden, yourself and Kieran, um, you've been uh, abroad filming uh, Recipes for Love and Murder. It sounds intriguing. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> it's a really beautiful show. And nobody can see it really in Ireland, I don't think, because it's... Um, the, it's Acorn and, and they um, are, don't really seem to have a presence in Ireland but in the rest of the world you can watch it if anyone feels like travelling but it's beautiful it's it's a, a show about um, uh, food and uh, there's a little bit of murder in it as well but no it's not it's kind of lovely it's kind of a tender show nothing really terribly violent it's kind of like um, Miss Marple meets uh, Julia or something the, the, about the love Julia Childs, that lovely cook. It's kind of something you, like that, I think. Are you cooking and baking on the show? I am, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my best, yeah. It's funny, my, my own family thought that, um, you know, one good outcome from making that show would be that they'd get like really nice dinners at home but sure I worked so hard I was barely had time to boil an egg I, I you know on my one day off I was definitely just saying can we go can we just go out and eat somewhere but um, it was a lovely experience very very different uh, experience for us as a family to be in, in Africa we never really spent much time there before challenging but but wonderful uh, and um, I was talking I, I mentioned there your Bridget or, or Birdie Goggins as well from Kin uh, that is back for a second season Yes, just finished it now. Just finished it literally uh, a week ago. Yeah. And what can you can you tell us anything about it? What's what's what is Birdie advising and up to badness as much as usual? Ah, jeepers! I mean, I could you know I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's I don't know. I love her. She's so um, she's so in love with her family and so interested in community and loyalty. But then also, you know that she's had people killed, you know, you know, you know that there's that side of her too. Yes, it's and an she, interesting she, person to pretend to be. She also rocks a great wardrobe. She does. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Did, a kind of a mashup of, um, I don't know, inner city Dublin and Palm Springs. And she's kind of somehow firmly rooted in 1994. It's a lot of fun. So you are here to talk to us about being back on the road. You are a nomad, aren't you, Maria? I mean, you like being on the road. I really, really do. I mean, both Karen and I do. I think we we really get enormous joy and uh, and energy really from from playing live. And we hadn't been able to do it for a while. Obviously, the you know the world changed in the last few years, and there weren't so many opportunities to share evenings with people. Um, and then just recently, a lot, a lot of our friends and some friends of ours who were coming from abroad came, they all started cancelling their tours and it just made me so sad. And I just said, we have to just go and, and play and be able to. There's something extraordinarily special about sharing the evening with people and singing live to them and them feeling it with you. And also, we're, we're writing a new album now and... Um, it's an it's an amazing way to understand your songs as you're writing them. If you, I I love to play them when they're just kind of half half made, and 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 I just get a great insight into them from having other people's ears in the room. So that's a big part of it for me too, just to just to open open that up and and share it with people. 
Oh, right. So so the show will be some of the old hits and the more recent hits like from that, that, <laughs> that last album. And then you're going to try some new material on them. I love that you call them hits. The old hits and the recent hits. Yeah, That's great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we will be playing some new songs as well that we've never played before. But it's, it's um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a fun thing to do. It's also a small bit scary. And also, you, I don't know, I learn from it hugely. And I, I just, I don't know, I really enjoy it so much. It's like, it's like, it's like fuel. It's like proper people fuel. Having an experience for two hours where we're all kind of plugged into the same thing. It's, it's important, I think. Well, well, let's give them another track, which you talked about the last time, which was inspired by uh, you and Kieran going to a Lucinda Williams gig. Uh, this, oh, is, yeah. this is Lucinda. And I'm just going to say where you're playing again. You're playing at the Lally Theatre on December the 2nd, then on the Whale Theatre in Greystones on December the 3rd and finishing in Cocklands in Cork on December the 4th. And this is Maria Doyle Kennedy and Lucinda. listening to Thursday Night's Arena. The work of French filmmaker Arnaud Desplechin can be characterised as deeply human, emotional and obsessional. Tragedy and comedy combine, revolving around a few characters and focusing on family dynamics between parent and child, siblings or amongst friends. In his latest film, Brother and Sister, being screened at the IFI's French Film Festival, we meet Louis, a poet and teacher who lives an isolated life with his wife following the tragic death of his son. Louis's estranged sister, Elise, played by Oscar winner Marion Cotillard, is, fam- is a famous actress currently on stage in an adaptation of Joyce's The Dead. As children, Elise and Louis loved one another, but now they are enemies. When their parents have a car accident and are hospitalised, the siblings are forced to meet after more than 20 years. I'm delighted to be joined by the director, Arnaud Desplechins. Um, Arnaud, the opening scene uh, is we, we, we see the tragedy of the Vouillard family. First of all, yeah. the death of Louis' child. And then there is a very dramatic scene where we see the parents in this awful, horrific car accident. Um, I've read that you said that the film confronts one of your worst fears in life, that being the death of your parents. Yeah, it is actually, you know, look at my age, you know, I'm so lucky that my parents are still alive, you know, but suddenly, you know, I think that the, the, the film is opening on a nightmare, you know, it's everything that I could be terrified with, you know, in, in real life, you know, it's, it's a, it starts as a tragedy. And I thought that perhaps in life, I'm not able to fix my life or to repair it or to heal the wounds, you know, but perhaps in fiction or on screen, you can fix life, you know, what you can't do because we are so clumsy in real life, you know, and we, we, can't, we, we, we stop to be, we are perhaps a little less stupid when we are on screen. Uh, the parents, Abel and Mary Louise, go to the help of a young woman who has uh, hit her car uh, into a tree and then they're faced with their own uh, mortality when they see a truck coming towards them. You were hinted by a real life event to write this scene. Yes, actually, it's it's a it's a it's a small story which did happen to me, you know, because I saw once, you know, I was in the west south of France, you know, and I saw with my parents, you know, young girl, you know, uh, was you know uh, clumsy with her car, and you know, so she 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 hit a, a tree like that, you know, and so I've been close to her. I tried to speak with her, you know, I tried to, you know, I I was not able to pull her out of the car, etc. But you know, the fate didn't come. You know, the car, the truck didn't come. Mm-hmm. So lucky me, you know, I, I'm still alive and lucky her. She was still alive, you know, and I called the hospital and I know that she recovered, etc. Yes, but so it did I, feed I, your I, imagination, obviously. Yep, yep. I could say that and I emphasize all the, the, the small 
incidents which happened in my life to transform them in big accidents, you know, in, in you know, in a, in a pure tragedy. As I was saying, you know, I think the film starts as a nightmare, and you know, and life will happen to the characters, you know, and the the nightmare will vanish. I, I think it's uh, the movement of the film itself. At the crux of the film is this hatred between the brother Louis and the sister Elise. And um, when they go and visit their parents or when they hear of the tragedy that has befallen their parents, this animosity is at its height. We're never quite sure where it came from. We know that they loved each other very deeply as children. Yes, I think that it's funny, you know, because when I, when we started to work, you know, with the, with Marion Cotillard, uh, she asked me, but what did happen, you know, and why do I hate him so much? And I said, I'm, I'm afraid, my dear, you know, but you are the actress, you will have, you will have to find the answers, you know. And one of the answers that uh, uh, Marion Cotillard proposed is that Alice is scared. She's afraid. She's scared to death. You know, she didn't see her brother for silly reasons, you know, since such, such a long time. And now she's terrified. She's like a child. And she's lost. She's lost into her memories, you know, and she's trying to, to recover, to find, you know, to, 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 she's in sort of a smog, you know, and she's trying to find a way out of, of this hatred, you know, and the film will help her. And I remember as a very moving moment, you know, the, our very last day of shooting in France, uh, because the character of, the, of Alice, you know, the female character is quite dark, mm-hmm. you know, and Marion, it was uh, the, the scene in, 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 in the drugstore, you know, which is a very violent and very emotional uh, scene. And it was complicated to have it, you know, on screen. And when we finished the day, Marion came to me, she hugged me and she whispered into my ear, I think we saved her. And I think that's what Marion achieved, you know, to save Alice for all these curses which are surrounding her. Yes, you take the family as an example, but it's the idea of hate and how how we grow t- to be so, I don't know if it's comfortable in our hatred of people that we almost forget why we hate people. And and you put you put references out to the world, you know, you reference Africa, you reference uh, refugees in the film. Are you saying something wider about hate than just hate within a family? Oh, for sure. I think that family is uh, the smallest theater, you know, that we, we, we start to know when we are when we are just born, you know. But I think that on a larger scale, we are all confronted with the problem of hate, you know. And I think that hate is always a waste of time. So the good question is not why do I hate him or why am I, am, am I that hatred? No, the good question is when does it stop? You know, that's the, the, the big thing, you know, that's the big issue. And I'm quite proud, you know, because I think we found with the actors here and there some issues, you know, it's, it's, it's some ways of go, going outside, uh, go, going out of, the, of this uh, curse, which can be hatred, you know. And I, I love this, that scene when they are in the supermarket, Alice is alone, you know, she's just, you know, doing some shopping and suddenly she bumped onto into her brother and they meet together and they are just face to face. You know, why do you know? And suddenly all the questions about the passion that they had, it's a love and hate, you know, they all vanish and they are just one human being in front of another human being. And I think it's a good uh, solution, you know, for the hatred problem, you know, is to acknowledge the existence of the other. I thought it was a very difficult uh, film to direct because, as we've said, it starts so dramatically with the the death of Louis' child, then the horrible accident that their parents are involved in. And then we have to see this animosity between the two siblings. So there is emotion piled on emotion, piled on emotion, leading up to a, a more calming time that you're working towards. Did you find that difficult to to try and, um, I suppose, contain that emotion and 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 let it let it go wild at times? Oh yeah, it was really difficult. It, it was it was exhausting. It was exhausting in order to to provoke some some thrill on screen, you know, because the emotions were so big, so big, so so terrifying too, you know. 
And I knew that, you know, a lot of my films have been based on digressions. You know, I remember when I was in Dublin to present Kings and Queens, Kings and Queen, you know, with Emmanuel DeVos. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a lovely moment that I had, you know, in Dublin. And the film was based on digressions. But this time I wanted to make a film obsessed by its question, which is when do we stop to hate each other? Why don't we just recognize each other in each other's faces? You know, that, that was the only... So the film is just an obsession. And how to make all these variations for you not to be bored, you know, to have the thrill of the, the plot, you know, and the emotions and how to conduct the two characters to a relief, you know, and to heal them, as I was saying. Um, I must ask you about that uh, play within the film that uh, Marion Cotillard is is the star of. So she's she's playing the role of Greta in James Joyce's The Dead. Why did you choose such an iconic play slash short story uh, as as the as the play that she would be starring in? Uh, because for, for silly reasons, you know, silly or very serious reasons. You know, one reason is I love Ireland since the first time that I visited you, you know, when I was in uh, 12 or 11 or something like that. You know, I love Joyce. You know, I'm a great fan of John Huston adaptation of The Dead. And I thought it was the perfect image that I could have on stage with the snow on island, you know, and to have the snow on stage, it, it brought a sort of magic. And I needed that magic on stage, you know, and uh, on screen, you know, to see the, the, the fake, the, the, the funny snow, which is projected on stage on Marion. And this, the, the theme, the motive of the, the, the James Joyce short story is about mourning. When you are mourning, when you are not able to protect the, the, the beloved, you know, and that's what is happening, you know, for Marion with their brother, but with their nephew too, you know. And so all these regrets that you have when you come uh, a little bit older in life, you know, and suddenly you realize that you should have been a better lover and that you were not uh, able to embrace the love that you received, you know. And that's what uh, Joyce is depicting. And it was uh, the perfect match with the plot I was telling. Yes, and it is a beautiful theatre scene, I think, that the snow is actually on the bed and in the bedroom rather than outside a window. Yes, yes. I love that. I love snow on stage. I'm that childish. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Arnaud, thank you so much for talking to us and congratulations with your new film that people will get a chance to see at the French Film Festival here in Dublin. Thank you so much, Kay. It was a great pleasure. Brother and Sister will be shown as part of the Fringe Film Festival at the IFI this Saturday, the 26th of November at 6.30. More details from ifi.ie. That's it for tonight's show. The programme was researched by Liam Murphy and Claire Hogan. Harry Buckless was on sound. Demi Garrity was the broadcast coordinator. Tonight's show was produced by Sinead Egan and John Creedon is next.